Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phidias Club. This is episode 81 for January 2017, Policies and Propaganda. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phidias Club. This is episode number 81. Uh, we're in January 2017. My name is Patrick Beja, and we are living in the world of Donald Trump. Or are we? I mean, he is now a president of the United States, and uh, the United States is arguably the most important and uh, biggest and, uh, you know, uh, uh, largest country in the world, economy-wise and everything. So, yeah, kind of. Uh, some people on this panel might disagree. We have, uh, always, as always, of course, uh, Turkey, who is from Saudi Arabia. How's it going, Turkey? Oh, good. I'm just glad and thank God he's not my president. <laughs> um, so you're one of those people, I see. Hey, he isn't my president. No, I know, I know, but you're glad that he isn't. So I, yeah, I get it, I get it. Wendy, um, you are in Sweden, but you are an American citizen, so he is your president. How are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> uh, I I was actually joking with someone today saying I have a, a podcast I'm doing or or maybe it's a therapy hour for me. I'm not sure. So we'll see how you guys can help me. All right. We'll we'll try at least. We'll try. Um and lastly, a newcomer on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh Dan, you are from Mexico actually. So I'm sure you're going to have a few interesting things to say as well. How are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm uh, surviving. I guess uh, that's a good signal. And as Turkey mentioned before, well, Trump is not my president, but he's the uncomfortable, noisy neighbor that we have upstairs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he, he does have some uh, more even influence on uh, on your, I don't want to say everyday life, but uh, certainly it's he's more of a concern for you than maybe for me, I suppose. Uh, I'm in Finland at the moment. Although what he's doing might have consequences in this region as well, because the strengthening of Russia, a retreat of the U.S. Uh, from the international uh, scene means an increase of power for Russia. And that might be interesting for Finland. Um, of course, I was in France for uh, a good while. And we have some news from there. And I'm sure many interesting things happened in each of our uh, country and region uh, regions. But let's... 
let's not pretend like the inauguration of Donald Trump isn't the biggest, the most important story here. Um, so we're going to start with that, I think, with the caveat that, you know, I think we've proven over the last few episodes that we really uh, manage and or at least try to be neutral, I want to say, um, and objective in our understanding of situations and analysis, I, analysis I, uh, the plural how, of analysis. How, how would an idiot as a president? How? <laughs> and <laughs> and um, being neutral doesn't mean thinking everything is equal or everything is fine from one point of view. I think sometimes there are things that are less than uh, ideal and some things are not as good as some other things. So I just want to put the caveat here before we even start talking that some concerns uh, are fair to have, even though uh, they are not, you know, your concerns if you're from another side of the uh, political spectrum. And with that in mind, I, I'm going to start with a very quick uh, uh, discussion, or rant, I should say, by saying that I think there are two sides of the discussions around Trump, and very often those two get complete, they're connected, but they're, they get completely uh, mixed up, and one is used to sort of dismiss the other. And I think those two sides are the policies and the megalomania. The, the policies, I think many of us will disagree with, with those policies. I don't know about you, Dan, but I, I know that uh, Wendy and probably Turkey are more on the liberal side of the political spectrum. And so we'll disagree with some of those policies, maybe even sometimes be alarmed by some of those policies. But they are, you know, policies from the uh, conservative movement in the in the US and I think they're a matter of deciding what you want for your country and regardless of the who won the um popular vote and the electoral college that doesn't really matter the fact is that he won the election and so it's fair that he's going to put in place some policies that uh, liberal people will disagree with vehemently um but still that's what he was elected to do and it's I mean the way I look at it I don't understand why you would want to proceed like that, but it's normal that he would do that. The other side is the megalomania, and I would even say the propaganda that we're starting to see coming out of the administration. Uh, putting it plainly, it's the lies that uh, Sean Spicer uh, has said during a press conference, the first press conference, specifically about the number of people that were at the inauguration, and more generally, you know, there are more of those falsehoods that are being told in spite of reality, of what reality is. And I know some people are arguing, well, you know, you can always explain things a different way. But it, I, I disagree on, on some things. You can arrange the facts to make them say what you want sometimes or the numbers. But sometimes there are also objective facts and objective, objective truths. Um, I understand a lot of people's points of views and I try to explore them and, exp and you know, uh, go with their, um, with their, understand what's in their heads. But sometimes, you know, things like, uh, let's say, the fact that the earth is round, that's objectively true. And you might, we don't see it, we can't feel it here, but we know it. The fact that the earth is 
more than 5,000 years old, the fact that vaccines do not cause autism. You know, that's just a plain fact. And whether or not yeah, you agree with but it... But Obama disagrees with you. I don't think he does. But Trump, Trump really disagrees with you. Well, Did I Trump, just say Obama? Yes, he does. But yeah. I mean, going back to, the, to the, the, the inauguration thing, it's really alarming that this kind of... And we know that all politicians lie. Right, but there is a line that is one step further, and it's kind of difficult to know when you've uh, crossed it. But when you do cross it, you know that you have. And in this case, they're crossing this falsehood line. It seems as a matter of habit or even policy, and that is a concern. And it's fair to be concerned about this, to be very concerned. And when you couple this with you know the nationalistic views, which are again fair to have because that's what they they were elected on but nationalistic plus propaganda plus megalomania i think also it's fair to say that he is very megalomaniac and and you know he he didn't turn into a president he's still trump the candidate and many of us including me were thinking well okay let's hope that he becomes a little bit more presidential and Many of the things that a lot of people were saying, well, you know, I'm going to vote for him because I dislike Hillary Clinton. And we all know that some of the things he's saying are so outrageous that he's never going to do them. Well, it, it turns out it seems like he's attempting to do them. And so, again, there are some people that will never, ever be convinced that he is not going to be a great president. You know, there are some people who are extremely happy that he's here, who do not care about the fact that, uh, you know, he's uh, instituting some kind of propaganda machine. Um, and they, these people will say, oh, he's exaggerating, blah, blah, blah. I I'm, I'm, don't think I'm, I'm exaggerating here. I'm just stating, I think, which is, what is something that is objectively true. You know, they are saying very demonstrably inaccurate, false things and presenting them as truth. This is Orwellian. And it is fair to be concerned by this. So nationalism, nationalism and this kind of propaganda and the megalomania all put together make for, again, I think, a fair, an objective concern. And saying that, oh, no, everything's fine and all of the other politicians are crap anyway, is taking it a little bit too far. I understand that you are concerned about politicians in general, but the reason why some things are complex is that some things are complex. And sometimes issues are not simple to solve, like putting up a wall in the, on the border. So that was my rant. It was shorter than the one I, I had on the episode 78, where I talked about why people voted for Trump and why I understand why they did. But I hope that people, even, you know, no matter your side of the issue, I, I hope people agree that this is a reasonable explanation of the situation. Um, I think, Wendy, you wanted to, to say something. I don't know if I cut you off, but um, do you have a, a, a reaction to this? Oh, I have just so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one thing, though... I, so uh, maybe people know this or not, but I, I'm a psychotherapist. So I have a, a view on things that, you know, maybe slightly different in the, in the sense of his personality disorder is what I would call it. I mean, so, so I've spent years in training for various things and there is not a training I've had in the last 10 years 
where we haven't discussed personality disorders, narcissism, personality disorder, and other things where someone's like a, a bottomless pit for needing affirmation and attention, where we have not said, a perfect example is Donald Trump. And then 10 years later, our president is this man. So, of course, it's very, you know, infused into my brain that he's that typifies this thing. But it's really interesting to watch him. And, and the whole crowd size at the inauguration really felt um, like, oh, okay, well, here's classic evidence of that. So, so the narcissistic personality disorder ultimately is someone who believes they are at a level that they're not really at, and they only deserve to be with people of a certain caliber, and they deserve praise in constant forms, that they're, they do nothing wrong, they're always right. They're very challenging people to live with, work with, love. There's ask. I'm, I, I mean, there's like a trigger warning. I kept thinking, we need a trigger warning for all the people in this country who have been abused, neglect, you know, all the things people have gone through. But for all of those people who have been partnered with someone with a personality disorder, I, I can't even imagine what it's like because it is so difficult to deal with. So that's my foundation of some of this thinking. He's not, he's not well. And that, well, I mean, maybe that's the, simplifying, but that, that no, I, th I think the, the inauguration thing, the numbers don't matter. I mean, what well, this is a, a great example. When he's president, you're like, it doesn't really matter that he got more or less than Obama in what inauguration it doesn't like if he's president now and this issue isn't so deeply ingrained in his in his personality you you know you have to act a little bit presidentially and and let it go it doesn't matter and and that's well, you, kind of you, proof you bring up a a really important thing act presidential be presidential that would require some social context to understand how to do that some some reading of a room we are seeing again and again and again that he doesn't really have. For example, so he makes a big deal about the crowd size. Then his first meeting with Congress, they have some kind of dinner, luncheon thing. He walked from person to person, didn't matter which party or who it was, to argue with them about the crowd size, to get some affirmation that he is better than everyone saying he is not. And then he does his first interview with someone from ABC as they're walking out of the interview He, pa he pauses at a picture of the inauguration, points to it, and is showing him, well, the camera stops here, but if you go back, there's still millions of people. Who needs to do this is not someone who has the ability to sort of recognize what being the president is. So, so here's the sick thing. He now does have a lot of power, power that would match kind of the ego that he has always had. I mean, who plates everything in gold? That, that tells you something maybe about... At its core, there is a bottomless pit for attention and for being right. So what happens with alternative facts or whatever, you know, how you, that's the official terms they use. Yeah. The alternative facts is that just to, to, to feeds this. clarify this, alternative facts might exist. You know, there might be different facts that are also <laughs> true that might contradict some of the facts you have. And that's a perfectly fair thing to, thing to say. But in this case, it wasn't other facts it was not facts it was falsehoods right it wasn't alternative right. facts what what they're trying to label with a different word which is inaccurate right i was making quote marks you couldn't see in the right, air right. alternative no facts, but i mean right. i think that's an mm -hmm. important distinction but um but you know i, I 
there are, have been presidents who have had, you know, personality issues. I think to an extent, if you want to be president, you have to. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. It, this one does feel different. It feels like, I mean, does that impede his ability to be president? Not necessarily, not mathematically. I would think that, you know, the the fact that he doesn't recognize reality might not help him make the right decisions, but the fact that he's... Uh, 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 you know, he has a, a need for affirmation doesn't necessarily make him a bad president. No, and, and I think that's all of them. They wouldn't be there if they didn't have huge egos. Absolutely. Mm. I think what happens here is, and I and I read this recently, and you know, who knows what, what you hear from where, but um, someone was, you know, in the close to the president sort of said, when he's stressed out and tired, he his decisions get sloppy. He gets he's less in control. He's anger. You know, they're they're talking about this person who is going to have nothing but high stress stakes. Is going to be tired for the next four years. So so you're looking at someone whose predisposition, plus the in my opinion narcissism creates this sort of pretty terrible combination. But he also has this thing he's been creating. And let's be honest, the Republicans have been marketing for for ten years strong which is we can't believe anything anyone says unless we get it from our source. So what Trump is, he's in that same vein and he will play that and he will play that. That will not end for the next four years. He will play that anything that contradicts what he wants, what he believes, whatever is falsehood. And the challenge is as a culture, we had decided what we could kind of agree on before we had some foundational things. And this has been, sort of flipped upside down. And so that's why we're in such a different place now than other presidents. Other presidents would say, wow, they think I look bad? Or like the Women's March. If a president had realized, wow, millions of women marched against me? Wow, I really got to figure out how I can try to reach those people and make them feel wanted. Or they would t- Their ego would require them to do something in a direction that might be more inclusive. And in Trump's case, it's denial. Denial is his response. Mm. And and those I what, mean five hippies or whatever you know <laughs> the the falsehoods aspect is definitely that you know it, it you're right there has been a lot of movement towards you can't trust anything anything is untrustable and I again I understand where it comes from there have been issues with journalism scientific research all of this but they've taken it they the indiscriminate you know undefined they have taken it so far that. Again, as we've been saying for for about a year now, facts don't matter. And that is a concern, again, for the very, I think, fair, objective and neutral reason that if you don't base your decisions on facts, on reality, you're going to make inaccurate decisions. And yes, you can point to the fact to the to the, you know, 10 percent of the time when when you followed your gut you did make a better decision. Yes. And you're going to point to those and say, this is why we should follow our gut. But the reality is 80 or 90% of the time, the correct decision is made when you base it off facts. So that that denial of reality is, a f- again, I think a fair concern. Um, but let's... Uh, let's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I can't believe that we have to get it down to this level, you know, they they have been mm-hmm. article. I think the the journalist, uh, the media, and again, some people will never trust the media except you know whatever side they're on. But 
they have had to explain how to define a lie to make sure that everything is black and white and, and explained. This is what a lie is, okay? Can we analyze what this context brings? Okay, yes. So yes, it is a lie. I can't believe that it's been so distorted that we have to go... And maybe it's good, you know? Maybe it's a good exercise that we have to come back to the fundamentals of discourse. But... Um, all right, we, we've talked a lot. Uh, let's wait. Uh, let's leave Dan for the last part of it and ask Turkey uh, how things have been viewed with this inauguration. Um, hi. I'm trying to get my thoughts together. Seriously, we, we, th this guy is unbelievable. Uh, it's inauguration. I think a lot of people watched it here. And the fact that he's making a big fuss out of how many people attended is just making people wonder what's wrong with this guy, seriously. Like, as you guys said, who cares how many people attended the inauguration? He's the president. That's it. End of story. Um, other than that, it's people are just watching and seeing what's going on with uh, him being president at the moment. And apparently the expectations that he all what he was doing was propaganda and he wasn't serious about what he was saying is just not true. This guy was serious about the stuff he was saying. He's actually going ahead and implementing a lot of the policies he promised to implement. And some of them are just crazy. Uh, and really, we don't like, know what's which going ones on. Are, which ones are concerned for, for you guys? Well, the, the number one right now that he started with these, uh, the immigration policies for what, I think six um, Islamic countries where he is now banning them from traveling into the States at the moment. Uh, I just got a notification today by email from Qatar Airways telling me about the ban that these people of these countries are not allowed to get on flights on Qatar Airways, for example. Uh, as to what the information they received. So it's it's kind of freaking people out. Like if he's starting with these countries, who knows who's next? But, you know, to <clears throat> to be fair, I mean, again, we could argue for a very long time about whether or not it's a good decision. I certainly think that this is, you know, taking a bulldozer to, to get a nail uh, uh, out of your house or something some metaphor where he's uh be, being way too forceful um and certainly i don't think it's gonna make achieve the goals that he is trying to achieve which is make the country safer i think it's it, it, and the isolation is again very much of a concern because it takes the world in a direction which is more country versus country i completely understand the america first philosophy but this is why we we haven't had wars, I think, in the West for 50, for 50 years. It's because we have intertwined our economies and, and lives so much that we don't have... We ha it's a bigger cost. It's a higher cost of making war than trying to get along in a very complicated diplomatic environment, which is sometimes I don't, incredibly I don't, frustrating. I don't, I, I don't get the concept of making America first. America is based... The entire concept of the United States of America is about immigrants. When you stop and you ban immigrants from coming in, I don't see how you're going to make America great. America was built on immigrants. It was established by immigrants. 
and it survives on immigrants. So I agree I, I with that. I don't, see, again. I don't see the concept of making America great when you go and, and the countries he picked are mostly worn torn countries. So he's basically saying, you know what? Your country's worn torn. You're being shot at. You're being murdered and, and killed and so on. I really don't care. Stay in your country. This is not the place where you can come for safety. And again, I think, I, I think I think this he picked, is he picked Yemen, yeah, Iraq, Syria, uh, Iran, Somalia. He picked those countries out of all the countries. He did not even pick stable countries. None of the list is a stable country. Well, maybe Iran is considered a stable country, but that's it. He hasn't. Well, I think the, the biggest country. irony is that this is to fight terrorism, but none of the countries that uh, people, the terrorists from 9/11 originated from, are on this list. So it's kind of very difficult to reconcile again. Uh, well, well, because he has business in these exactly. countries. He doesn't have business in Syria. Well, he doesn't have any business in Iraq or Iran or Somalia or Sudan or whatever. Maybe even if he doesn't, the U.S. does. So, But, okay, this is a, a really important aspect of it. And I think this is the more liberal and I would say humane view of the whole thing. But... It's still what That's, he said, you know, for once. It's not humane or liberal view. This is what America is. You can't come and deny the basis of the country that it was established upon and say, no, this is America. We're going to do it this way. That's not America. That's not I, no more America. I can get it if it comes from a different country. If it comes from European country, I can understand it. Those countries, I can get the concept that they're protecting their country. But America is a country of immigrants. Every single person in the U.S., the entire U.S. Congress are immigrants, whether they or, were fifth or generation, second, first or third generation, generation Fifth, tenth, they are all immigrants. The entire, right. basically, almost an entire. I don't know if they have any Native Americans in that Congress, but with the exceptions of Native Americans, they're immigrants. That's the that, basis of that yes, that, but that doesn't mean you have to stay like that forever. The country is whatever the people say it is, and the the heritage is important for sure. But it's absolutely the you know people's right to say now we want to do things differently, and they have said we want to do things differently. And Donald Trump, maybe for I think the first time in history, is applying exactly <laughs> what he said he was going to do, and he's doing it. And for that. Again, I disagree on the policy side. Uh, it is, it, it's hard to condemn him for doing exactly what he said, even if we disagree, for doing exactly what he said he was going to do, including that abhorrent wall that he is uh, trying to get built now. So, um, so, which... so, so here's the question. Here's the question. So how about the concept that he has said that he will give prioritized Christians in those countries? For immigration. I, I disagree, but if he said it, I don't know that he said exactly that, but if he did, and he's, you know, yeah. the people voted, this is nationalism, and I think it's harmful in the long run, but he's doing it. And and to get back to the wall, Dan, um, what's the reaction? I, I think we can all imagine, <laughs> um, but maybe you'll surprise us. Uh, what's the reaction in Mexico? Well, uh, we have a big problem in there because... Um, you were speaking at the beginning about alternative realities. And for example, you can see that if you follow, I don't know, the, the official policies and the official image that a politician has been constructed for, for himself, you have a more centered opinion. 
However, uh, Donald Trump comes from the outside. He's an outsider. He he knows media. He doesn't know very well uh, politics. Uh, but that's not uh, that didn't affect uh, the results for the the last elections. Uh, getting back to something that uh, Wendy was mentioning before. Well, uh, he I believe that he sees uh, himself more like the I don't know like the ringmaster uh, from a circus, and uh, he wants everything that he he wants he wants it done. Uh, if he say has say something, he wants uh, he wants uh, he wants it to everybody, happen. Right? That's that's correct. He wants everybody to listen and do it as as he has uh, been saying it. So, for example, uh, we had um, a very inter interesting uh, week, uh, especially because uh, of the decisions. And uh, there's a particularity in here. Uh, it's in a position, Donald Trump, that uh, he's damned if he does it and he's damned if he doesn't. Although a lot of people voted for him saying, well, Uh, most of the politicians does don't um, don't make up for the promises. Uh, I remember Guantanamo Bay that was one of the promises from Obama, and uh, that didn't happen. However, uh, pretty much everything that Donald Trump had uh, have been saying uh, have been coming to well, not to fruition, but it has been uh, initially said um, the wall. It's uh, one of the uh, sort of a power play because it's one of, of his main promises of campaign was one of the bases that uh, a lot of people voted for him. However, uh, it doesn't make sense. I remember that uh, just a few minutes after it was announced, uh, people like, uh, I don't know, um, let me remember, it is a Nobel Prize winner, uh, Krogman, yes. Uh, Krogman, Paul Krogman was tweeting back, uh, just mentioning how illogical was to build a wall. And uh, besides the wall, um, Donald Trump later mentioned, well, remember that we're not going to pay for this. Mexico is going to pay for this. Of course, let's, that's, let's that's one the, of the, yeah. <laughs> that's, the main promises. Yeah. And for example, as I was mentioned at the beginning, well, he's a noisy neighbor. And for example, just imagine that you, your neighbor next door wants to build a swimming pool and he wants you to pay for that. That doesn't make sense. However, uh, that was one of his promises. And a lot of people will uh, say, as long as it doesn't affect me, It's all right. It uh, goes back to something that, that um, Turkey was mentioning before. Um, he's not focusing per perhaps in the image of, well, uh, the United States has a common enemy, enemy right now. However, anyone who is not uh, from the United States, well, he comes second. Uh, it's part of the, the campaign, America first. However, uh, if we go back to me me the megalomania uh, aspect, You can complete the phrase and say, well, America first and then the world. What is his world uh, domination plan or what, what's the deal with this guy? Um, especially because well, I don't, I don't right now... I think he's going to expand. He just doesn't care about <laughs> anyone else, which, yeah, again, nationalism, he, he, he that's what he it is. He doesn't have to. That's correct. Yeah. He doesn't have to. But uh, however, uh, most of the decisions that he has uh, made... Uh, don't only apply to the United States. It applies to the rest of the world, which is what worries me, and uh, especially in the case of Mexico, in the case of Canada, because uh, there is a renegotiation coming for the NAFTA treaty. It's something that has been working for us for the last 20 years. And uh, yes, uh, Mexico is the weakest link in, in, in these three countries. For example, at the beginning of the week, we have some comments from the Canada's uh, prime minister, where he pretty much said, well, Canada is uh, friends with the people of Mexico, but our national interest comes first and friendship is second. 
I understand that perfectly. It's pretty much uh, it pretty much goes in line with the, what uh, the vision of Donald Trump is, and actually it comes with the worldview in a way because remember that we have the Brex- the Brexit situation where it goes, uh, I believe, with some something in this in this same line. So can, can I throw something out yeah, there please, as a please. theory that might be interesting? Um, this he's keeping his campaign promises. So I got this theory that I haven't fully formed yet, but I think some, there's something to it. And since I'm an American, I can say this. So, and I'm not in America, so no one can stone me. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of think we got the president we deserve. And what I mean is, we're all a little narcissistic. We're all a little materialistic. We're all a little combative online and in tweet our tweets. I mean. He he! It's like he's a creation of our own um, evil side, right? Like he's 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 not there because it didn't work. It worked because there's enough discord in the country. There's enough disagreeing and battling, and and we haven't trusted politicians for so long, and that's because politicians have never kept their word, right? So suddenly, here's a guy who keeps his word and we're all losing our minds, it's because none of us believed that would happen because we have no faith in any of the system. So it's really, I know that's alarming and other Americans are like, oh, what? But it, <laughs> think about it for a second. What? This doesn't happen out of nowhere. This happens over years of, I mean, let's be honest, the, the Repu- Republicans' behavior with President Obama is such a setup for this moment. They, they, we elected people into Congress whose main job was to make government not work. That's what they wrote. That was the ticket you know, they wrote on the Tea that, Party. That is, that is one of the things that frustrates me the most when I talk with Americans. This myth that government can't do anything. And, you know, when you employ yourself making sure that it doesn't and then point to it and say, <laughs> look, it doesn't work. It's, but, right. you know, the more frustrating thing is... How do people not recognize this, you know? Is right. It, well, part of... Go ahead. Is it the division that is... It's, and I know that some people say, that many people say it's the same on the left and the right. Honestly, that's not the image I get. And maybe that's because I'm more liberal. But... And, and I understand that there is some of it happening on the left. But it seems like... As you were saying, a lot of the, the the Congress was trying to make sure things didn't happen. How, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I mean, they said out loud in public forums, our agenda is to get rid of anything Obama produces. So that was clear. This isn't hidden. Everyone knew. And it you watched it happen over and over and over again. In fact, I mean, as much as I didn't want Donald Trump as president, I, I, I felt such relief for Hillary Hillary. Clinton, could you imagine just another four years? And and she would be demonized times 20. I mean, Obama probably would have had it easy compared to what she would have had. That is, And they own House and all the, the Senate and the House, and and soon they will own the um, uh, Supreme Court. So they, they're, it's their turn to be on the playground. And here's the trick that they're going to have to pull off, because the majority, I think, of regular Republicans are really nervous about Trump. This isn't the guy they wanted. This is the only guy they had to choose from. And that's how a lot of them feel. I know a lot of Republicans. Most of the people I know actually in America are Republicans. And they 
felt very much like their hands were tied. They couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. They can't stand her. And Trump is not who they would pick, but he's at least maybe the Republicans in Congress or whatever can help him. What no one counted on is that the man who said all that crazy stuff is actually crazy enough to make sure all that stuff happens or attempt to make that stuff happen. So now Republicans are in a position of power. They they have all the stuff. What are they going to do with it? I have one thought. They they let Trump crash and burn and impeach him, and then they have Mike Pence to be their puppet. That's one idea. Um, and another is, you know, anyone who's tried to rein in Donald Trump, he, I mean, Chris Christie is a great example. You're out. If you don't follow in line, you're not loyal, you aren't what all dictators need, <laughs> then you're out. And so he eliminates all contradictory voices. He eliminates anyone and even people who are just going to be reasonable. He's, it doesn't matter. None of that impacts him. And so, you know, I think that's the, that is the biggest concern that everyone from the outside looking in has it's not so much that he's a Republican and that he's implementing oh. the policies of a Republican. Again, I think it's easy to mistake our frustration here for that, because certainly both of those things are frustrating to many of us. The fact yeah. that he's implementing those policies, we, we, again, as I said many times, vehemently disagree with is frustrating. And I think we would be voicing that, that opinion no matter what. But that's the political game. The second concern, which is a lot more frustrating, and, and actually that's the one that's a little bit scary, is, as we said many times, the falsehoods and the propaganda and the megalomania and the narcissism and the fact that we don't know. It's hard to fault him for doing what he said he's going to do, even though we didn't expect him to. But we don't think... Who thinks that he is a responsible he's going to be responsible in the post that he had. Until until a few days ago, I would have said, well, we'll see what he does. Now I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure I want to see anymore. <laughs> but anyway, that's, I have, that's the position. I have one question in there, Patrick. Sorry if yeah, I interrupt. Yeah. But uh, actually, how much control does Donald Trump have over the government? Because uh, this will be a very interesting uh, point on American history, to see what's the way that the Congress actually really have. And for example, uh, you were we were talking at the beginning about, I don't know, alternative realities. And we have a public reality that we can see in Twitter if, if you follow the, 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 the account of the president or the different account for Donald Trump. And for example, you can see how the stock exchange changes uh, or, mm -hmm. or uh, even the, the, the money value changes after a declaration, for example. Uh, after the uh, um, this last week, it happened something really interesting. After the announcements of the wall, the peso got stronger. It didn't get weaker because it was a, a very uh, unrealistic view. So, for example, mm. what is the actually the, the actual impact that his decisions or the initiatives that he can propose have in the real world? Well, well, I, one I'm... thing one thing to know just about presidents in general, they they don't have as much power as we all think they do. We always say the most powerful man in the world. So, so you take the ec economic decisions of the previous president, that's where they show up in the next presidency, but you get the blame. So there's a sign on the president's desk that says the buck stops here. And that means the blame goes nowhere else in theory, but we have a president, I'm sure he's already taken that off his desk because he's not going <laughs> to take responsibility for anything. But part of the, the reality is, The impact isn't as strong, but if you're proposing and pulling off policies, I mean, the economic ripples of tweeting about a company that you think is garbage 
And then the impact of that. I mean, it's careless. It's callous. It's unbelievable. It is. And I but... really wish Twitter would just go out of business so this could stop. <laughs> well, he'll find another uh, way to express himself. He'll find himself, something but, different, definitely. Yeah. But, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, we all thought that the, um, the, the, stock ex- the stock market was going to suffer, and it's been doing well. Uh, this America First policy is is economically apparently being well received by uh, the stock market, and I wonder, you know, until for the the candidacy period, they had a lot of people were saying, well, but Hillary, you know, a lot of the defense of the president uh, of the candidate of Trump was yes, but Hillary, and now Hillary isn't there anymore. So I wonder, and I understand that. Uh, you know, the administration is trying to make it into, yes, but the media, you know, it's the media's fault. It's the, and, and again, as I was saying, the, a lot of the hashtag MAGA people, you know, make America great again, people are not going to trust the, the media anyway. But I do think yeah. there's a lot of uh, people who voted for Trump or who were hesitant or who didn't vote for Hillary, who are going to now be looking at what he does and what he says in a slightly more, you know, objective way because there isn't a Hillary to fall back to. And 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 the the horrible truth is that he might manage to make things happen policy side. Uh for, you know, economically there are multiple companies that are saying, well, we're gonna bring back um uh uh, uh factories in the US, we're gonna make it happen. We don't um we 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 and even though you know it might hurt economically on a large scale some people might get jobs back in those places that elected him so really i want to separate the two but i don't know there are so many i i, I hope i'm not coming off completely alarmed because i certainly am at two in the morning when i'm watching tweets but when i look at things realistically i'm very concerned but it's not like I'm a raving lunatic waving my hands in the air and going like, oh, this is all, you know, the world's ending. It's just objectively, this is concerning. It's not ending? <laughs> I, don't, I think he's taking it in a direction which is more dangerous. Yes, I think the nationalism, the yeah. America first policy encourages everyone to say, well, in that case, F you, I'm going to go me first too. Yeah. And this is not how you build a more peaceful world and no matter how unsafe it feels again you need reality to understand reality no matter how unsafe it feels it's not as just, unsafe as it's been before and policy and politics and economy are complicated things that you can't reduce <laughs> to just well i don't have a job so everything sucks and and i just i just want to see the results of his economic policies in the year yeah. or two when the, the entire cost of living increases in the u.s might happen. Right. And it will. I mean, mm. if we're going to fight with China, if we're going to make them our enemies and Russia our friends, we're in real trouble with all of our Walmart stores. I mean, what are we yeah. going to buy for ourselves? If we're going to start really... taxing all of Mexico products, then everything exactly. is going to increase. Avocado is gone. Yeah. That, that's uh, gone. Uh-huh. But that, you know, that's maybe... something. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sir. That's something interesting. And for example, let's just remember that uh, last week the we're two and a half minutes according to the doomsday clock to midnight. So we're actually moving that direction. Yeah. Uh, but for example, uh, getting back to uh, international policies, you will have contradictory contradictory results because, for example, if you close a factory, I don't know, in Mexico, in Canada, in in China, and you put it in Mexico, 
It means about, uh, in, let's say... In the say US or Mexico? Two, in, sorry, in the US, you're right. I, that was wishful thinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you close a factory, everybody in the world, but in the United States, and you place those, those jobs in there, you will get, uh, let's say, 2,000 jobs. However, if you close the frontiers, at least in the case of Mexico, there are about 6 million jobs depending on the trade with one country use with one country. Mm. Imagine what happens with the rest of the world. And you know, but to get the other side of this, and, and I think this is a very important uh, argument that you're making, Dan, but to get to, to Wendy's point that, oh, avocados gone and, you know, fruits gone. And some people, I'm sure, are listening to this and thinking, I don't care about your damn avocados. I just want a job. And if a factory comes in my town and I can go work in that factory, I will happily eat potatoes instead of avocados. I don't need those damn avocados, right? So, But the one thing, too, though, that um, the automation of jobs is what's taken most of the jobs out of the United right. States. Not, not simply factory. I mean, yeah, we don't put our iPads together that's done in china we could bring that back and would still but the majority of jobs have left for automation purposes are we gonna undo that i mean I, i'm not sure i don't know there are there are How hundreds the of thoughts. thousands there are hundreds of thousands of factory workers working at Fox, foxconn alone putting ipads and iphones together because because they're cheap they're not as expensive yeah. as if they do it in the u.s in the u.s they're going to do more automation because to lower the cost they but, don't need exactly. to do anything in China at the moment because the cost is already low. Mm. But if and, you, and most if, of those factories are going to move to the U.S. sooner or later because the cost in China is slowly increasing. I think it's they're going to move to, to Africa or to somewhere else that is cheaper. But <laughs> if, if Africa can handle it, they'll move it. Africa is not ready for this yet. So mm. that's what's happening. Automation will come in as long as the cost for hiring people is high. They're going to push for automation to lower the cost of their products because they want to sell more. They don't want to sell less. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we've... we've said our, our piece on the matter. There's been a lot of speculation on policies as well. And I'm sure a lot of people will listen to this and, th and think, oh, no, but if you do trade like this and the trade deals weren't good, but you can actually make it work if you do this or that. And again, this well, is... Uh, prove us wrong. You have a new yeah. president, prove us wrong. And I would be saying only that if it was, if he, he hadn't, you know... <laughs> yelled and screamed and and threw on a hissy fit about the inauguration numbers and the uh the the women's march which by the way uh before we move on i would like to ask wendy um what she thinks of the woman mar march of the women's mar march because i've seen a lot of things on twitter mostly positive some negative but i don't want to make you you know the 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 uh, I represent uh, all women. The, yeah, Done. exactly. Just, but you know, <laughs> just like I asked Turkey to represent all Saudis and and people from uh, the Middle East in general, I'll ask you anyway. Nonetheless, um, what? Yeah, what did you think of it? What can you explain it to us? Or I don't know. What are your yeah. thoughts? I think one of one of the misunderstandings about it um, was that it was a march for abortion. Um, I think there's definitely concerns about that for many people and, and they have a belief about that and a desire for that but it, that was maybe one portion of it for some but for the majority in, in my opinion it was it was so alarming 
during the campaign to see the way he treated women, to hear the recording of him essentially bragging about sexual assault, um, the way he has treated the women he quote unquote owned during his pageants. Um, I mean, it is the most offensive person you can think of to call your president. It's really difficult on a, on a very visceral level for a lot of women and should be for a lot of men. And I think it also is for some men um, because just, it's, it's just pretty to, terrifying. He represents that thing. Um, go ahead. What were you saying? Um, to, to maybe put it a little bit in context, uh, tell me if this is correct or not, but maybe it will help more people realize what this feels like. And I'm not a woman, so you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but it was, it's kind of like, Uh, someone uh, a candidate was saying you know ah oh, you know i had those niggers uh, do my lawn yesterday and they weren't really doing it well so i slapped smacked them over the head a couple of times and it was and then they worked better and and then he said oh but you know i of course i don't mean it and it's just a but it still feels like that is my guess and i said yes. the n word then- the actual n word just for shock effect i hope it yeah <laughs> Um, yes, I, I mean, I think it really is, and that's what you're finding a lot. When I, when I talk to family and friends and friends who were at various marches and their experience, that this, like, it's a position of, of, of being powerless, you know, rape, attack, all of those things. And, and I can say this, any woman listening is going to know what I'm talking about. You're walking to your car and you hold your keys a certain way in your hand. And you hold them in such a way that you can open your car really quickly. And if you needed to stab someone with your key, you could. How many men can relate to that? That every day you walk around just because dudes are bigger than you. And you don't always know you're safe. So that's every woman. And then you take those who have actually been assaulted or those who have had that, that power taken away by being sexually harassed, even just verbally. Um, And so there is this thing we all share collectively, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. For women, there is a thing we all have experienced. And he just, it's like he represented that to some extent. And it's like a punch to the gut when he won. And so I think that the, the female response to that was one of peaceful marching. Now, did they clean up their messes everywhere they went? I don't know. But for the most part, it was pretty peaceful and, you know, well-organized and And it was a wonderful thing for them to do. Um, now, what does it mean in the long run? I'm not sure. But what it, it does for them in the moment and does for all of us in the moment is sort of like, hold on. We don't have to be victimized by this. We have some power because that's the feeling. And I don't know if you saw any pictures of um, Trump with his wife at various times. I feel like we need a march to rescue her. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if I've ever <laughs> seen a kept woman, it's her and an abused woman. I It's just so hard. And so... Well, My I mean, okay, I, we don't know that she's in that situation. She might just be nervous and she might just be, you know, in a place where she didn't think she was going to be. I, I, let's not, you know, I don't think we, well, we can make maybe the assumption. Well, maybe you haven't seen the she, video. Maybe you haven't seen the video of him saying something to her and then he turns around and wait. her face. No, I've are seen you that, deny, are, this is, are, are you denying the, us the right to make assumptions about his wife when he just makes assumption about how many people attended? I think Amen, it's, Turkey. I, <laughs> I think no, it's a I dangerous path to go she, down because when you start sure. making those assumptions... He denies, he denies global warming. He denies the effects of uh, global warming. He stops the scientists from reporting about it. And, and you want us to stop talking about what we think that his wife yes. looks like? 
Yes, I well, do. No. Because I would like but, us to and be better and to show I the watch, Hold on. I agree. I agree. But I, as a therapist, I watched her as a talking to many, many women who have are making therapy appointments just to discuss this. He triggers this part. So whether it's true or not, this is a man that many people can't respect for. We're just taking one slice of why it's difficult. Now, there are women who love him, think he's wonderful. Great. Sure. It's not everybody. But there is something about that. That explains the marches to me and, and the unifying thing and the peaceful aspect of it. And the, hey, we have power and you can't tell us who we are and that we're objects is, is really heartening. And it's a beautiful thing. Because here's the thing. In a week or two, I'm taking my kids to Berlin. And we're going to look at that wall. And we're going to talk about that wall. And we're going to talk about why walls are built. And we're going to talk about fear and what that does. And when you shut everyone down with fear, what happens? And that's fine. I won't say that she's an abused woman, but I, I still feel like rescuing her. But there <laughs> is some very real conversations that have to happen about human beings will recreate history if we don't know history. Like it's crucial that that we just make this a, a priority. And that to me was a peaceful march of just one step. I, there's a march planned for science people. We're go, like March, I think, or April. There will be a scientist march of like, hey, science is real. Please don't defund us. I mean, people are scared for all the things that have sort of are fundamental to some of our society. It's a big deal. I, I definitely agree. And uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, looting and rioting that happened on the day before the inauguration. And that was a complete facepalm uh, for me because I, I thought, you know, that was so <laughs> disgraceful. And it was, it, it's exactly when I say, you know, we have to be, to, to show the way and we have to be better. This is exactly the opposite. And this is the kind of things that makes people say, well, look, you also had that. And I agree. It was, I will, there is no way to defend it. But then the Women's March, which was so peaceful and so uh, uh, powerful, I think, because it was voicing a an opinion which is important and which is, you know, it's kind of like the Tea Party or the Occupy. I don't know if it will go anywhere, but it's important that it happens. Yeah. And it's very different from uh, the, the, the tweets that we all keep retweeting. This is real and this is important. And I, I've seen... There's, uh, so there are some people organize, trying to get together to organize a thing for tax day to get him to release his tax returns, which I don't think he's ever going to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he, he, that, that, would, that is also, you know, if you get down in the street and march for something, it puts people on notice. It shows that there is something real happening. And the fact that there was no incident in that march is... Amazing, because anything that would have happened would have be been twisted into terrorism or you know something un unconscionable. Um, so yeah, I, I also thought it was incredibly powerful and it was very important. Um, but I mean, that that thing about not um, doing the same thing is very important to me because. I don't know if it's if it's enough. Maybe you do have to play dirty at some point, but I often re reference that. You know, it's it's uh, Star Wars, the dark side. Every single great story that has ever been written about anything remotely, uh, uh, you know, fantastical or science fictiony or anything, it's always like letting 
anger and fear and frustration rule your emotions. And I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that nationalism and saying us first is a legitimate feeling that you always have to have some of it, but it does seem like there's an excess of it and that can become dangerous. And, and you're talking about the Berlin Wall and I think some people are going to say, bah, Berlin Wall, Nazi war, blah, blah, blah. You're exaggerating. It is looking further, you know, four, five, six, seven steps, but it is taking the world one or two steps closer to less safety. Um, and that is a concern for everyone. I don't, I don't understand how you can say, bah, everything's going to be absolutely fine. Maybe it's going to be, but... I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's another thing happening on like the streets in the U.S., at least from the things I'm listening to and talking to people, that for white middle-class folks who did just fine under Obama and their lives are just kind of going along, they're like, wow, that the, you know, the Nazi symbols showing up in New York and in Jewish parts of town, the, um, you know, just the anti-immigration stuff sort of showing up or the thing, the emboldenedness of, of, you know, the white supremacists in, in the United States, various groups that are just kind of coming out of the woodwork, like, yeah, we got a voice now is not, is really alarming to, you know, your average white American. It's not so alarming for people who are, have been yelled at to go back home when they, their skin isn't white or are treated in ways that are disrespectful. So I think what's happening really for a lot of people who are comfortable in their own little seats, it's like, wow, how is this happening? And for others, they're not all that surprised. And my comment about the wall is not, oh no, it's going to be Nazi Germany. It's we need to understand why someone builds a wall. Someone builds a wall Mm. out of fear and not out of thoughtfulness, sophistication, ability to collaborate and work with and unite and that's that's the thing that's scary is you know the skill set we have in the White House is not to unite and to improve the world or the planet or people. It's to get you know protect number one, and that's really that that's where I think it gets dangerous. Mm. And you know, I mean, I don't know how much how delicately I can keep putting all this, but I don't think he's Hitler. It, I'll say it right now i don't think he's yeah no you know there's no that's not the point as you're saying this is not about nazi it's about a a less safe uh world and he is doing these things anyway okay well i I think we we're sort of starting to talk in circles uh (laughs) i hope i've i've yeah go ahead as you say it's just about not going backwards Let's just not go backwards <laughs> in any way, please. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, all of the things that we said, you know, when I was saying, I don't think he's Hitler. I don't think he's uh, a, a, a despot. I don't think he's a dictator. I don't think any of those things. But there is a, a legitimate concern that he's taking things in a, in a worrisome direction. And every time... For a year and a half now, every time we've said, oh, but it will be fine because this, oh, but it will be fine because this will stop him, or this will happen, or he's not serious, or every time we've been proven wrong, right? Even those who, who had concerned, concerns about him but thought, yeah, but it's not real, it's not, 
So at what point do we start saying, all right, maybe there's a chance that this is actually a concern, you know, and, and we should sort of think about it and be ready for it. At what point? Because if now is not the point when, and I go back to the, uh, you know, to the falsehoods uh, in, in, the, in the press conferences as sort of a, a canary in a coal mine, you're like, well, it seems like they're really taking all of this in the direction we imagine they would if everything went wrong. So even if you think that he's going to do a lot of good policies-wise and economy-wise, I would really hope that you keep an eye out for not even fairness, but democracy and, and rule of law and all of those things. Because the fact that he does some good things in, in one area doesn't absolve everything else that happens elsewhere. I hope. I, I certainly hope. And I also hope that he does well economically because there's, well, if I'm being honest... I don't hope because I don't hope he does well because then it will legitimize him. But I will admit that he maybe he will do well. And for the American people, I sort of understand that hopefully he does well. So I don't know. This is a cop out. Um, anyway, we've been talking about this for an hour. Geez, I thought we were going to do 20 to 30 minutes. Um, what do you guys think? Do we do we do local stuff or has that all been eaten by by the Trumpiness of the um, of the month? Um, do you have any like fun, cool, interesting local stories, things that are happening in your countries? The world is depressing. There's nothing exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I will say one thing uh, because it's sort of related. We've had the social, uh, we're having now the, the socialist primaries uh, in, in France. And I talked about the uh, Republican primaries in previous months, and we've had one candidate. But the problem is, on the left side, we're having, basically, for the Socialist Party, uh, we're going to get one candidate. And be, there is another uh, member of the Socialist government that's gone out and said he wouldn't participate in the uh, primaries. He's a candidate right now. And there is an, he's more to the center um, of the political spectrum. And another one, which is very much to the left of the political spectrum, he's basically a communist, kind of, and he's getting a lot of support because a lot of people are saying um, the socialists uh, basically did a um, social democracy job and that's too much the right. Uh, so basically what it comes down to is that we have three socialist candidates that are going to be in the running unless they end up grouping together but i doubt all of them are going to group together so what that means is that the socialist vote is going to be split at the election in may and if it goes on like this it's very likely that the second turn is going to be the second round of the election is going to be the right-wing candidate versus so the republican versus the uh, Marine Le Pen, the far-right candidate, because of that split in the base of the left. So this is a real possibility uh, right now because of that, that there is no way that uh, those three are going to get enough votes on their own uh, to, to compete with the right-wing candidate, so with the Republican. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll band together. 
Um, and especially the, the there was one scandal that is affecting the, the Republican now because his wife has worked as an aide, but apparently was a fake job or something. Um, and they're trying to justify it right now. But it's sort of a throwing a, a kind of an air of culpability on him. I don't know how it will end up. But uh, anyway, what the, I'm the- hearing here, Patrick, is that. Scenario you said that it will never ever happen looks like it's possible now in France. Um, I always thought that there was a strong possibility that Marine Le Pen was going to be on the second round. Um, I have heard an interview with her, and it's interesting how combative she's getting. She's really taking a, a page out of Trump's book and out of the Brexit book. They're going to try to do exactly the same thing in France. I still don't think it's going to work out. Uh, she has very nationalistic tendencies and policies, but she's not she's not crazy like Trump. She's not like uh, narcissistic in that way. She's fighting on the policies, on the nationalistic policies. Um, uh, Trump is unique. Forget Trump. Yeah, He's yeah. Very unique. But I don't know. I mean, we'll <laughs> yeah. see. I'm not going to repeat what I said in the last episode, but. Um, I still don't think, we'll see, maybe my opinion will evolve, but I still don't think in that scenario of Republican versus uh, um, Front National, I still don't think she'll get it, but we'll see. Um, right, so that's the big, you know, the big concern right now, and um, and we'll see what happens. We're going to have the socialist candidate des- designated tomorrow, and then we'll see if the three uh, socialists get uh, together, but... It's really interesting because you have the basically communist candidate, Mélenchon, who is saying so many of the same things as people were saying during the Brexit, you know, the Farage side of, of, of the Brexit and the Trump side and the Bernie side. You know, it's this very large part of the population that is completely disenfranchised that goes either to the far left or to the far right. And it's very similar people that are saying we're tired of all of this shit we want someone that is going to fight for us and not for themselves and the uh uh, people who are already well off and i mean yeah it's it's we're seeing this very clearly here um all right. Anything happening in in Mexico worth mentioning? Then are you you didn't really get into the reactions uh-huh. to the wall thing and the fact that you know does anyone in the country actually think that you're going to pay for it or what's the reaction to the to the claim that Mexico is going to pay for it? Well, um, pretty much the reaction has been made in memes. Uh, well, we we like memes to joke memes? about that. Yeah. Uh, that's correct about memes. But for example, um, one of the reactions was that it's economically impossible to be done as, as it is uh, uh, proposed. And um, for example, the, the one of the things that uh, also was proposed, uh, it's a way that we were supposed to be paying for that. Uh, it was a 20% taxation for the products that are going to the United States. But there you have a problem. Because that tax is not going to be paid by the Mexicans or the Mexican companies, but the end consumer. So that's one of the things that, okay, obviously it kind of scares because every everything that Trump says affects us directly in the economic way. However, uh, most of the things that he has been, say, been saying are pretty much impossible to be done, at least how um, he has been uh, proposing it. Other of the things, well, pretty much uh, this week for Mexico was all in the news. It, it was like a follow-up of the of what the, is happening in the United States. And um, 
other of the things that has been happening here, it's like a historical review about all the times that we have uh, had some sort of conflict with our neighbor at the north. And this is uh, at the economical level, the most important, but this is not the first one. Uh, let's remember that we have the Mexican-American War, which was uh, something that came out from the Monroe Doctrine, and we lost pretty much uh, half of our territory to the United States. And, uh, well, that pretty much uh, sucked for all of us. But, for example, at the beginning of the last century, we have another conflict with the United States when we have Francisco E. Madero as uh, one of the first uh, democrat demo democratic elected presidents in here. And that uh, pretty much um, moved some of the interest in the United States. Right now, well, we have, uh, let's say, like the third biggest conflict with our neighbor. And obviously, we are a little bit scared of that. However... Uh, yesterday, we have a very interesting um, press conference made by Carlos Slim, which if you know, he's, uh, well, he owns the, the New York Times, and he's the fifth richest man in the world. And the reaction that we have here in Mexico for the people, it's kind of interesting because, well, uh, Carlos Slim is the most powerful Mexican, you can say that, in the economic level, but we have also the Mexican president. And the Mexican president doesn't have an approval rating that uh, actually gives you trust because, well... The approval rating that he has right now is between the 10 and the 12 percent, which is really, wow. really, really low. Uh, however, the way that he reacted to the Trump declarations was, uh, as I mentioned before, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Because if, we, if he said something, if he said, well, I want to go to Washington to talk directly with him, uh, well, uh, what is the deal with this guy? He's uh, willing to... To pay the wall? Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, he's mm. willing to go there and negotiate. That I believe that that's the most important thing. Uh, right now, we, we have to listen to, to each other and understand the points that have to be made. Uh, at the end, well, he said, I am not willing to go, to go there. However, yesterday, after, um, after it was um, posted that he wasn't going to, to go to travel to, to speak directly with the American president, uh, Trump, after that, said, well, I canceled the meeting. Well, wait a minute. You didn't cancel the meeting. We weren't willing to go there because the conditions weren't in a place that we wanted to be. After that, yesterday, uh, Trump and uh, Enrique Peña Nieto, our president, were in the phone uh, just before uh, Trump had a meeting with uh, Theresa May. And uh, they were talking about one hour. And one of the conclusions that they had was, we are not going to talk publicly about the damn wall. Well, let's hope that Trump keeps his part of the agreement because we know how he is. However, it shows what kind of um, negotiation uh, power you can have when you are talking with uh, world economies, when you are talking with uh, different countries. You are not, not just dealing with people at the GOP. You are not just dealing with uh, people from a different business. So that's, that was something that uh, have come this week. I believe that, well, these are interesting times. However, the reaction, as you can expect, it's uh, kind of, um, it's scary. It's scary uh, times for us in a way. Mm. However, you have different factions, as, as I mentioned. Carlos Slim, who was like, uh, um, how can I put it? He was saying positive things about Donald Trump, or surprise, but also because, well, uh, it's kind of uh, difficult for you to say something against, against someone who is talking positive things about you. And Carlos Slim is a businessman. So that's something that we have to learn. Uh, in the, in this way, perhaps we don't need uh, to treat this just as uh, a politics, but more like a business. So that's the <laughs> way that uh, at least uh, seems to be working a little bit. So hopefully that will show us a way. Okay. Well, Wendy, I hope all the women 
in the Women's March heard that uh, advice. Uh, this is how you do it. You treat it not as politics, but as a business. As a business. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Can I share right. something fun oh, from please, Sweden? Oh, please, please, please. Yes, yes, please, please, Wendy. <laughs> We need that. This is, uh, this always cracks me up because, you know, Sweden, Sweden has real problems, I, I'm sure. I just don't, it's hard to find out about them because, uh, <laughs> first of all, they're very worried, of course, about Trump and human rights are one of their big deals. And so they feel like, you know, we got to step up our game and, but they're having a similar experience uh, with a lot of European countries where sort of the far right parties are getting emboldened and people are, um, you know, maybe misbehaving a little bit, but I heard a hilarious story. Someone had, had um, written some anti-immigrant something on a wall and a, an older lady had written a note, handwritten note, <laughs> put it next to the sign and asked please to be kind and <laughs> reminded them of all their Swedish values. It was very, very sweet. Um, so that's not really the news I was going to share. I was actually going to share what, what's been on the radio quite a bit. It's either they talk about Trump or they talk about this. And I think it's just a wonderful problem to have. So they have very generous parental um, and family leave here. So when you have a baby, you have up to a year's worth of um, pay to stay home with your child. And um, the big controversy, which just makes me smile that there has this, <laughs> because in America, you get six weeks and then you're fired or whatever. Like it's, that's not a place to have a baby. It's great to have one here. Anyway, so the year long thing is great. Well, the controversy is there's a 30 day mandatory fathers have to stay home with the baby. And the, com the debate is whether the 30 days can be shared with the mother or it has to be by the father or forfeited. So that's what we're debating. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Like, can <laughs> shared with the mother? Yeah. So she could, so she technically could take the year and his 30 days and receive full pay. And he doesn't stay home. Or, oh, right. Because so, we're, we're, so we're big fans months, of egalitarian. Basically. Yeah. So, or that the man has to stay with the baby for those mandatory 30 days to, in order to get the money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just trying to keep things equal here. It's in, <laughs> uh, in Finland, I think it's, what is it, like a year for the mother and then the father can take a year as well? Or I think it might be a year. Yes, that's each. just, it's the same here. It's just the 31st days is, is the thing they're debating. Does he have right. to use those? Can he share those? Um, and that's, that's life in the Nordic world, right? And, you know, <laughs> every time we say things like this, I'm sure that some people, you know, get this idea that, oh, this, this is unsustainable and blah, blah, blah. And, but you have to remember countries like Finland and Sweden and, uh, other Nordic countries are the, the best countries to live in from every, you know, almost every metric, like the best educated, the best uh, standard of living, the best everything. So that's always my answer to people talking about uh, uh, either capitalism or socialism in one way or the other. You know, you always have people say, oh, but look, from France, they'll say, oh, look, in, in the US, it's capitalism and it's horrible. And in, in the US, they'll say, oh, but look, in France, it's socialism and this is what you get. And I'll, to everyone, I'll say, look at the Nordic countries. You know, they have some measure of capitalism, some measure of socialism, and it works really well. And it's it does. But there's one thing. You never see the sun. 
So there's that. Right. Maybe that's why, you know, maybe people <laughs> are so depressed that they have to get down and, and work <laughs> and do stuff. You know, I really think there is something to the um, to the Protestant uh, ethics and work ethics. You know, you 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 it, it's it's more uh, uh, responsible, I think, than the than other brands of uh, of uh, Catholicism. I don't know. It feels See, that's funny. You you're thinking it's religion. I'm thinking it's purely preparing for the weather. So you don't Maybe. prepare for the weather, you die. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> so it's, it might I be. Think that yeah. might have forced it. Yeah, it's possible. Well, at least historically. So you know what? When we finally get the nuclear winter and the 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 sky is eternally <laughs> covered with ash for like a few decades, we'll all have to do that anyway. So Yeah, we're prepared. Out. Um, all right, Turkey, you're the only one who didn't share anything local. Do you want to go uh, with one or are you is, are you too depressed to talk about anything? Uh, I have no idea. Well, we've Riyadh recently just had a music concert for the first time in years. So oh. I think that's, that's wow. the biggest news at the moment. So wait, because it... Who was because, it? What, what was the music? First of uh, all, why kid. didn't you have them before? And why was it possible to happen now? And then who was it? Uh, it depends. We had them some time ago and then they stopped them. And they recently just restarted under the supervision of the entertainment, public entertainment authority. But why did they stop? Because it was banned for religious reasons or... Uh, yeah, mostly religious. Uh, there were opposition to it, so they just decided, you know what, never mind, we don't want to do those anymore. Okay. So m people used to travel to Dubai, to Kuwait, to Bahrain, to attend uh, music concerts there. And okay. uh, we just they just recently restarted them in Saudi. I think we had some, we're having some in Jeddah, we had some in, we had it in Riyadh, I think, yesterday. And so on. So, and it's all over Twitter right now. People are discussing it. You have two two sides: those who approve and those who oppose. So, so the tell us exactly what the people who oppose are saying. It's like it's offensive to God, or like it's corrupting uh, the youth, or what is it? Yeah, all of that. Depending on who you talk to, some of them would consider is anti-Islamic, is against Islamic belief. Some would say it's corrupt people some would say it's uh, it leads to w things that are even going to be worse tomorrow women and men will be allowed to attend concerts together stuff like that so uh, people how does have that work opinions. by the way to attend the concert do you have like a men's section and a women's section uh i don't know about these concerts but it would be one of two th two things uh, three things either only women only men Or two separate sections, women in one separate section and men in another different separate section. I have no idea about these concerts, how they organized it, if people okay. were allowed from both sexes. So, you know, women are not allowed to attend uh, football matches here. I'm not surprised. I didn't know. But uh... <laughs> so who, who yeah. was, sorry, I, I sort of hijacked uh, Wendy's question. Who was it? that uh was it a, uh, an it, international it band? was local no no it okay. was local it was uh local musicians uh saudi mostly uh, like was golf. it rock or pop or was it like no 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 it's traditional it's uh it's more traditional music it's not rock or pop it's called the uh, it's a gcc golf music so and and even those things are con are controversial to some people like how did the people who were for it <clears throat> 
react campaign like not campaign but you know what was what would they say when people are saying well this is contrary to islam islamic values and like oh, can they, they would, talk they publicly can they oh yeah yeah go go on twitter you'll find there's a war going on between the people who oppose and who support and uh, the the post those who support it say it's entertainment we need this relief it's it's good to the soul for the soul it's enjoyed uh, makes people happy, smile, laugh, uh, has nothing to do with being anti-Islamic and so on. And then you have the extremists who say this is anti-Islamic, this is uh, against Islamic beliefs, it's, it leads to corruption and so on. Mm. So you have both sides of those. And it's kind of interesting when you see them both fighting on it and and just wait and see how far it goes. Are we going to see more concerts in the future? Are they going to stop the concerts all over again? So it, it's an interesting concept. We don't have much entertainment in Saudi. So these are something that people need as an outlet for their uh, being bored and sitting and doing nothing. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, it's kind of depressing, but at the same time, it's going in the right direction. I don't know. Ah. Uh, who knows we'll wait yeah. and see all right well i guess that is going to be it for this show um before we leave though mm -hmm. of course as always i will ask each one of you guys if you have a an online presence you want to promote and we'll start with the always happy turkey Yeah, very happy guy. I'm always <laughs> smiling. And you can find me on Twitter at Turkey Albala, T-U-R-K-I-A-L-B-A-L-L-A-A. And you can see my happy side and my depressing side and my optimistic side. And let's just say, try to avoid me sometimes. <laughs> I always try to avoid you, Turkey. I try, I just never manage. I don't know how it works. Um, uh -huh. Dan, I know you're a, you're a, a podcaster, a con content creator as well. Yes, uh, if you want to listen to podcasts about uh, filmmaking or comics or uh, general culture, just go uh, um, to Churros y Palomitas. Well, uh, it will be easier actually to follow me using Twitter because that will be more understandable. So just follow in uh, twitter.com uh, slash Dan Campos and I will post everything that I got in there. So. Excellent. And the, the Twitter accounts will be in the notes, uh, as always, in the notes of the show, uh, except for Wendy, who is on Instagram and not Twitter. I am not on Twitter, no. Uh, but I, am, I you can find mm -hmm. me at W, or what is that called? TherapyThursdays.com, where I have a little content and you can ask questions. And if you um, listen to the show and I offended you in any way, don't worry. I have my oldest brother to argue with about this. I don't need to hear from you. <laughs> uh, I got plenty Wendy, of people to fight with. <laughs> you're, you're missing so much on Twitter. Uh, Scott is having the time of his life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Scott, no, Scott, um, Scott Johnson, our good friend and, and brother of Wendy, has has become a little bit more vocal about the concerns he has uh, with the current administration. It's really interesting because he's always been very neutral. And the fact that he... Uh, is voicing those concerns is making me think that some people that I mean he's never been very happy with Trump, but I'm think I'm wondering if some people that weren't in the in the middle aren't starting to think, well, this isn't really cool. Uh, but anyway, sorry, Wendy, yeah, keep going. I I heard one theory that Trump's 
um, candidacy will just unify everyone based on that it's just too crazy too much and we'll all join together. So there's that, yeah. maybe. Our, our I don't maybe think everyone, I think, the, I think the hashtag MAGA people are never going to let go of Trump, but, you know, maybe those that won't be united won't. I, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to <laughs> launch us back into this. Uh, yes, you were saying, Wendy. Yeah, find me at Therapy Thursdays if you want a therapeutic question answered, not a political <laughs> one. <laughs> this is out of my comfort zone. I have lots of political thoughts, but I thank you for um, always making me stretch here on Affiliates Club. <laughs> That's what we try to do. You know, stretching your mind is just as important as everything else you do. So there you go. That's, that could be a tagline for the show. Um, and if you want to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to iTunes, for example, and uh, leave us a review like uh, Scott Simon, Simon did. Uh, he said, fantastic, with an exclamation point, five-star review. So refreshing to hear people discuss debate topics in a civil manner. Very informative to hear multiple viewpoints. Keep up the awesome work, Patrick, and guests. Thank you so much. Uh, if you don't have, you know, some cash to send our way, you can do that. Uh, but if you do, you might want to go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club and uh, give us some money. Uh, you all know Patreon. I don't have to explain to you uh, what it is. Uh, but we recently did reach the 500 bucks per episode milestone. And uh, I've started doing, I, I'm preparing a bunch of them, the special episodes. You heard Letad in the previous episode uh, telling you about uh, Thailand and, and how everyday life is in there. We're going to have a few others uh, hopefully coming in the next few few months um but yeah if you want to if you want us to keep going i mean it's not like we're going to stop but still uh, if you want to encourage us if you want if you think the show is valuable to you in any way please do uh think about maybe uh, contributing some hard-earned cash you know all of that money you're going to get extra from trump making america great again uh you can probably give up a little bit of it once you're wealthy and rich um so go to patreon.com slash the phileas club and uh, check out the, 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 the page and see if you want to uh, um, support the show. And of course, you can follow me at uh, NotPatrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can find the show at Frenchspin.com if you want to go there and discuss everything we've said. If, you, if we've been, uh, you know... Uh, uh, if we've not been accurate in some things, if you have uh, contradicting opinions, if you think we've done a good job in some other ways, you feel free to let us know. It's always nice to read the constructive feedback and the civil discussions that continue going on the website after the show is done. Uh, again, that's frenchspin.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to all of you guys uh, for being on the show, Turkey, Dan, and Wendy. It was a pleasure. And we'll be back in about a month for another episode. Talk to you then. Bye. I don't know if we should be recording this and appending it at the end of the show, but... The politically correct thing is not about political correctness. I think if you explain your opinion, it's clear no matter what you say afterwards. And piling on achieves nothing except angering those who already disagree with you, right? So 
if you want to, it's not even about convincing anyone. It's about enabling the conversation to happen, which is the, the basis for anything else to take place. And political incorrectness, or however you want to call it, just uh, if you start basically letting go of your feelings and, and getting angry, then you're not achieving, literally, you're not helping anything. And that's why I, you know, intervened. But <laughs> does that make sense? And Turkey, Turkey thanks for diff- getting my back. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> no and, problem with that. I mean, okay, this is, even if we do put it at the end of the show, this is after the show, it's fair to, to be uh, uh, completely candid. It definitely does look like she is there suffering and she wants to be rescued of course oh That's it's what terrifying with this. it's horrible it's horrible but you know well, you, have, you have seen all the memes right they're all yes. that like help yeah. me please or something like that uh, yeah yeah like light the candle yeah, yeah. in the in the tower if you want to if you want us to yes. come like in Game of Thrones. that's correct yeah. no but Seriously. I mean, but she's obviously not comfortable with this she's you know the, the she no. is never She's never uh, comfortable in a public setting. She's tense. I mean, you can see it in her face. She does that model face all the time with the lips, you know, pressed, pursed up. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's so I think I really don't think it's it's I understand that it might inform the, the, the opinion we have of uh, Donald Trump's character, but I don't think it's fair to bring her into into it. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.